0: The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit ChampSchurch.com. Uh, we're going to get into the Word this morning. You're like, wait, we can't say that. You've got to say, we're going to get into the Word at some point in the day, whenever you're watching. I mean, it's just awkward. We're meant for relational connection. We're built for it. It's, it's in our, our being. It's in our soul. I mean, it's, it's in our bodies. It's in our spirit. We're meant to be united. And, and when we're divided, it, it's just awkward. Uh, I want to get into the Word. I'm excited to get into the Word this morning. We're going to do some things uh, differently for the coming weeks. Uh, you know, normally we would come and stand together and receive communion. We're going to pause that. Normally we'd call all the kids that are present up and we'd lay hands on them. We're... We're going to pause that as well. We're still going to be interceding for our children and our youth, believing God for great things for them. Uh, we're, we're going to alter the way that we give. We have the offering containers at the back doors there. Uh, don't, don't forget that as, as you leave. If you have a, a tithe or an offering, that's how we're going to receive those things together. Uh, but one thing is not going to change, and that's how we receive the Word together. So if you have note-taking materials, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and take those things out. I want to get into the Word I was excited to come together. Uh, I was so pumped to, to think we're going to meet together. I mean, I knew that some people wouldn't be here, others would, that it's going to be kind of a slow and steady uh, return to normal, but I'm so excited to be here with you. And I was thinking, God, what, what can we bring in the word that, that would just bless and minister to all of us? And, and all I could think of was the things that I've learned over the past few months, I mean, it's been a, a kind of an odd experience, you know. I mean, I'm not an old man, but I've been around 40 years, and I've never seen anything like this. I have a lot of opinions. In fact, I, I was joking with the worship team earlier that uh, I got with Larry, and we started talking before we knew that the sun had set, you know, because there's so much to talk about with all the things that are going on, and, and we're all filled with opinions of how things uh, are being handled and, and what's good, what's bad, and. and you know, but there's some things that I've seen in the scripture and, and I've seen in our, our current circumstances. I think we got to talk about those things. So I want to bring the word this morning. I want to give you, a, there's three things, things that are takeaways from the past few months, the past few months involving the, uh, the shelter in place, the shutdown from the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, here's a few things we're going to find in the word. If you want to write these things down, I encourage that. Uh, these are things we're going to look forward to in the word. Uh, one, we're going to find... Uh, What we need to care about. There's something that we need to care about. There's a number of things that we do care about. There's something that Jesus speaks about that's very important. We need to make sure that it's on the top of the list of things that we care about. Another thing we're going to find is who we are. Who the Bible says we are. That's a really important one to me when we get there. We'll only have a few references of Scripture, but the Scripture is packed with references, and I think it's important that we catch that and understand it. Uh, Another thing that we're going to find is what we need to focus on. Uh, There's a lot of things trying to get our attention. They're they're pulling and they're striving to obtain our attention. There are are only a handful of things that God's Word tells us we should or ought to focus on, and we're going to see one of those things here in the Scripture. Uh, So I mentioned before we're going to find out what we need to care about. I want to start there. So these are a few takeaways from uh, the the COVID-19 shelter-in-place Uh, the first thing was we need to be very careful what we listen to. That's the first takeaway. We're going to have three takeaways from this. The first one is we need to be very careful what we listen to. Now, I told you uh, we're going to find out what we need to care about. I want to give you a passage of Scripture from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Mark 4, verse 24. It reads like this. Now, you've got to understand, it's, it's Jesus speaking, and, and when Jesus is speaking, he never speaks casually. Jesus has never said something and then walked away and thought, well, I hope somebody wrote that down because that sounded pretty good. You know, I mean, I do that. I, I sound smart on accident all the time, Right. Uh, but, But that's not how Jesus is functioning. I mean, he is the word of God. He is the word of truth. When he's speaking, it's intentional, it's on purpose, and there's weight and value to what he's saying. And here in Mark chapter 4, verse 24, he's speaking, and the word says, and he was saying to them, now we're them in this case, he was saying to them, those who were listening, take care what you listen to. I mean, you can underline that in your Bible. You can put a big circle around it, put little stars around it, whatever. But he's saying, take care what you listen to. The rest of the passage, he goes on to say that by the standard of measure that you measure with, it will be measured back to you and more besides that. Now, we use that passage of Scripture often for, for other things, but, but we rarely talk about the, the beginning of that passage, the be careful what you listen to. I want to give you a few more passages of Scripture, and I want to talk about why I think this is important to focus on. I mean, listening has wonderful effects, powerful effects. If we're not careful what we listen to, we can have the wrong effects in our lives. Let me give you a passage of Scripture here out of Mark, Mark chapter 7, verse 14. So Jesus is speaking. We're going to have to read between the lines just a little bit here, but I think it's going to be worth it. It says, after he called the crowd to him again, so you've got a group of people who are there to to hear what Jesus has to say. He says, after he called the crowd to them again, he began saying to them, listen to me all of you and understand. Now when you hear that, when you read that, nothing really profound just leaps off the page, but I want to offer this to you. Listening is the beginning of understanding. When Jesus is beginning to address a crowd, he stands and he says, hey, listen and understand. Step one, listen. Step two, understand. When he tells us to be careful what we listen to, he's telling us be careful what you let into your life because it's going to have an impact on your understanding. It's going to have an impact on your understanding of a lot of things. Right now, I think it's having an impact of our understanding of the Constitution. It's having an impact on our understanding of the Bill of Rights. Be careful what you listen to because it's going to affect your understanding. And there's a few of you in here, I can't believe you didn't amen that last part. We need to be careful what we listen to. I want to give you another passage of Scripture, Ephesians 1.13. It speaks like this, in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, that is the gospel of your salvation, also believed, and you were sealed with him with the spirit of promise. Again, I want to read between the lines there. After listening came belief. No wonder Jesus is telling us, hey, be careful what you listen to. If you listen to the wrong thing, it could have a negative impact on your understanding and it could ultimately have a negative impact on what you believe. If you listen to what the world says about A, B, and C, you're going to end up thinking A, B, and C. If you listen to what the world is saying about A, B, and C, it's going to affect your understanding about those things. We need to be very careful what we listen to. I'll give you a, a couple more passages of Scripture here because I want us to understand this. Now, normally this would be included in, in the things that we're going to find in the Scripture. I've already listed those things, but I want to give you a couple things that you're going to see here. The, the, this passage of Scripture is going to reveal that there are two spirits. Now, ultimately, we know there's more than two spirits in the world, but, but there are, are two spirits that we need to be aware of, especially as it concerns this passage of Scripture and listening. For your notes, if you want to take it down, 1 John chapter 4, and I want to begin in verse 5. Beginning in verse 5, it says, they are from the world, and this is talking about people. I mean, you could substitute anything in there. You could substitute a news network in there. You could substitute NBC, CBS, ABC. You could substitute whatever you want in there. They are from the world, therefore they speak as if they're from the world, and the world listens to them. It goes on to say, we are from God. He who knows God listens to us. Now, he's speaking about Christians, uh, speaking words of truth. The one that's not from God does not listen. And then it goes on to reveal this. And here's where you see these two spirits. And I think when you see this in the scripture, there'll be an aha moment. You can see these two spirits are at war right now in our nation. By this we know, and of course it's referring to God, the spirit of truth. By this we know that these two spirits, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now when I see that in the scripture, it's kind of eye-opening to me. Just to realize that at work right now in our country, at work even in our city, there are two things waging war. There's one that's the spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is named the spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost, part of the trinity. I mean, the reason why God cannot lie is because he is the truth. The spirit of truth and the spirit of error are both at work right now. An understanding of which spirit is at work is important for us. That's why Jesus is telling us, be careful what you listen to. Now, when I see this in the scripture, it stands out to me as something that I hope and trust and believe that will have an impact on my prayer life. God help me to know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. When I hear a headline, when I, when I read a headline, when I, when I hear the news, when, when news is passed down, when social media fires up, let me be one who can stand and discern the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error so that I don't buy into the spirit of error and have an impact on my understanding and my belief that will lead me astray, that will lead me to destruction. Another passage of scripture concerning listening comes from Luke chapter 9. Now you'll find this in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. This, this same recorded piece of history is in three of the four gospels. And it's, it's one of only three recorded times in the gospels that we hear the heavenly father, the audible voice from heaven speak out. Now, oftentimes you've heard when that's happened, some heard thunder, others heard the voice of God, but this is one of three times that's recorded there and it's God and he's speaking referring to Jesus. Now, for context, you have Jesus and he's standing on the mountain. He's got his disciples around him. And and this wonderful event of transfiguration takes place where God is revealing uh, and affirming Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah. It's a wonderful and powerful thing that has an impact on your life and my life. In fact, the same word transfigure or transformed is the same word that applies to the scripture that applies to you. That we're not to be conformed to the world, but rather we're to be transformed. By the renewal of our mind. That there's a transfiguration that takes place. Well, at this time, heaven opens up and the voice of God speaks and here's what God says. Then a voice came out of the clouds saying, This is my Son, the Chosen One or the Anointed One. That's translated the Christ. He's revealing, this is my Son, the, the Savior of the world, the Messiah. And then when you think of all the things that God could say after that, He chooses to simply say these words, when heaven opens and the voice of God comes, you hear, this is my son, the chosen one, listen to him, three words, listen to him, those three words are powerful in the fact that they're absolute, it doesn't say sometimes listen to him, on occasion listen to him, sometimes he's got good stuff to say, Other times, it's a dud. He says, listen to him. Our call as disciples, our call as children of God is to be careful what we listen to. Because what we listen to wants to affect our understanding and it wants to affect our beliefs. And when we become committed to listening to the words of Jesus Christ, then we'll find our understanding founded upon truth and our beliefs in what is right. give you a passage of scripture here out of Romans, another passage of scripture that confirms why being careful what we listen to is so important. And I don't just mean news and media, I mean music, I mean everything. Be careful what you listen to. Romans 10, 17, it reads like this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the, the word of Christ. It's a passage of Scripture that that you might be familiar with. Maybe not. Either way, it doesn't matter. I want you to take away this point today. Faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from listening. If we're not careful what we listen to, and we let unclean or, or unrighteous things come in, they will influence our understanding, they will influence our belief, and therefore they will influence our faith. But when we listen to what is right, when we listen to what is true, when we have the Holy Spirit set as the filter of the things that come into our ears, when we are listening to the spirit of truth and rejecting the spirit of error, we will have a solid understanding, we will have a consistent belief, and we will have a strong faith. When Jesus says those words, be careful what you listen to, he's making a really powerful and profound statement. I can tell you here in in the United States... There's really no such thing as an independent news network. They're all owned by companies and corporations, and those companies and corporations do not share your convictions or beliefs. They have agendas. They are scripting the news, and they're presenting that as if it's all given as an independent thought or opinion by a journalist. I want you to understand that today there are few journalists and many activists. When we tune into the mainstream news, we need to keep in mind the words of Jesus, the instructions of Jesus, be careful what you listen to. So that was the first takeaway. The second takeaway is this. We are the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. I mean, when we were were in this state of not meeting and online only and all of the, the things that came with that, there was, was such an emptiness. Even though we were able to record Jared for a couple of songs and bring a message and, and, and post that online and share in those things, there's still a void because that's not fulfilling. I mean, being a Christian doesn't mean participating and listening to a weekly message to keep you on a straight and moral path. It's about relationship and commitment to one another and pursuit of the kingdom of heaven as God would lead us and guide us as our Father, as Jesus would lead us and guide us as our King and our Shepherd. Uh, I mentioned before we're going to find out who we are. You'll see it in the following scriptures, but here's one, Romans 12 verse 5. So we, now that's you and me, it's inclusive. So we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually members, one of another. We're connected. And it's important to me that we talk about this because I want this to have an impact on not only how we think, but how we speak. I want to give you another passage of Scripture here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. It says, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all of the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. This is referring to, to you and to me as the, the members that make up the body of Christ. And if you have any doubt that you are the body of Christ, a member or a part of the body of Christ, let that doubt be removed with this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you, it's speaking direct now, not just an inclusive we or some body or mass, but you. Speaking directly to you as you read this, it is directed to the reader and that is you. Now you are Christ's body and individually a member of it. Now I'm done presenting scripture on that topic, but I want to talk about it for a moment. And I want to trust and believe that that God will do a work in our minds renewing the way we think. I mean... We use the word member when we talk about church. You know, I'm I'm a member over there at at Champions, and and I think that word just gets confused with like the way the country club has members or the way Netflix has members, you know. Like, well, I've signed up there. I I like what they do, and and so they kind of won me over, and, and, you know, I, I filled out their little form, and I'm a member there. That's really not what we mean when we talk about church membership. We we, we use the word member as in like part of the body, members. I have members on my body. I mean, my hands, my fingers, my feet, my legs, my arms, they are members of my body. We are members of the body of Christ. I want that to soak into our minds and have an impact. I want you to think for a second. What happens when members are separated from each other? When members are separated from the body? I injured my hand one time, this was years back, and, and uh, it was, uh, I was trying to be something that I am not. It was a church flag football league, and I wanted a little taste of the glory. <laughs> I want to see what it tastes like. Oh, it was a disaster. I injured my hand, and then I, after a couple of weeks I thought I'm good to go, and I went and I injured the same part of my hand. And, I went to a doctor, and, and I was trying to, to kind of pinch pennies. So I was calling around asking, hey, how much is an office visit? And I found someone that was cheap enough. And that's not a good way to pick your doctor, by the way. <laughs> and he was a retired Army doctor, you know. And I think he was in his late 80s, and, and, and he, was, he, was, he was wrapping up. He was retiring, you know. And I remember I went to visit him and I said, hey, doc, I injured my hand. So, well, you, you, you broke it, just, just keep it straight, it'll, it'll heal. I said, okay. And then I injured it again, I go back to him, hey, doc, I, I, I re-injured it, you know, and I just want to make sure that, that it, it heals right, and, and it doesn't just get all weird and crooked, and he, mean, he looks at me and he goes, you mean you don't want one of these? And he holds up his finger, and I'm telling you, you could uncork a bottle of wine with that guy's finger. It was so crooked and twisted. And I, I looked at him, and I was like, yep, doc, that's what I mean. I, I don't... I don't want one of those. Well, I mean, he assumed that it was just broken again, but there was a severe uh, tendon rupture, and it, it never healed again. And by the time I found out about it, it was way too late. I mean, it, it couldn't be recovered. So there was this, this permanent damage in my hand, and I went to go then see a, a physician, and I did not ask how much he would charge this time. I decided that was probably irrelevant at this point. I, I went and I spoke to him, and, and he said, well... Uh, your only option is amputation. If you have a doctor who tells you your only option is amputation, get a second opinion. <laughs> I mean, it's just in your interest to get one. I'm not saying he's a bad doctor. I'm not even saying he's wrong. I'm just saying measure twice, cut once. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you, you, you just get get a second opinion because, you know, I, I'm back, baby, and, and I'm glad that I didn't go with him, you know. Uh, but here's what would have happened had, had that had happened. He would have amputated a member of my body. What would have happened when he did that? That member would have died. When it was, when it was separated from the life-giving circulation that exists within the body, it would die. It would shrivel up and it would be no more. We're the body of Christ. We're meant to be together with the, the spirit of God being the circulation that brings the life of the kingdom of heaven into this body. When we are separated from the body, we suffer a, a separation from that circulation and it results in Death of of the anointing that so richly flows in each one of us. Death of of the the passion and the zeal for the kingdom of God. I cannot tell you how happy I am to be standing here in my pajamas before you today. Because the Spirit of God is moving between us and among us. And it's that life-giving circulation of being the body of Christ that brings the power and the understanding and the authority and the equipping to go out and do the works of Jesus Christ like we're called to do. And Facebook cannot replace that. Zoom cannot replace that. YouTube cannot replace that. So the first takeaway was we need to be careful what we listen to. That second takeaway was we need to get in our head that we don't just go to church. We're not just church members, meaning we signed up, but we are members of the body of Christ. That needs to be in our mind, that to separate from that body is to cut off the life-giving circulation that we so desperately need. We need to be careful what we listen to. We are the body of Christ. Now, the third takeaway from this is time management equals wisdom. I think somebody's going to put together a book or, or a video or something eventually that shows what people did with their time while they were sheltering in place. And I think there's going to be some amazing things, and I think there's going to be some stupid things. And unfortunately, I mean, if I'm left alone, and it ends up falling in the stupid category most of the time, you know. But it, it's just the way I'm wired, I guess. But I want to talk to you about time management, and, and I want to talk to you about that as the Bible speaks of it, at least how I see that the Bible speaks of it. And I want to offer it to you as a thought and see if, if your spirit bears witness to it. It's it's really amazing to me when we see this. So I want to give you a passage of Scripture here out of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to look at verses 15 through 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. So it opens up with with a caution, a, a warning, so to speak. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk. Now, walk there, you can substitute the word live. Be careful how you live your life. Be careful how you do the things you do. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I mean, do you understand when we're sitting and we have time on our hands, if we simply made all of our choices and decisions by putting everything in two categories, uh, what's foolish and what the will of God is, and committing to only choose what the will of God is, we'd be in pretty good shape. But there's something here that I, I want you to see and understand. When it says making the most of your time, a literal translation of that word is redeeming the time. Some of your Bibles may just say, redeeming the time. That's an interesting thing to think that my life, my choices, my decisions have the power and the authority to redeem the time. And it says for, so you can introduce the word because there, because they're interchangeable, right? Be wise, redeem the time because the days are evil. The time is compromised. But we, in our choices and in our decisions, can redeem it. We can reclaim it for Jesus, bring it back to have a kingdom purpose. Or we can simply squander it and be foolish with it. Now, it's an interesting thing here, and we could stand there and and we could stay on this verse and talk about it. it. I would rather move on from it and then highlight it with some other things from the Scripture. How do we be wise with the time? How do we redeem the time? so that we can walk and live our lives in wisdom. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here from Colossians, Colossians chapter 4. Now, we're going to begin in verse 2, and we'll move all the way through verse 6, but I want to read this because I want to catch a few things from it. Now, we're ultimately going to get to the wise use of time, the ability to redeem the time. It begins like this, devote yourself to prayer. Now, here's what I want to just handle right here and now. So I've, I've grown up in church environments, and I've heard, you know, pray without ceasing and devote yourself to prayer. And, and if your interpretation of that means never stop praying, we ought, to, we ought to just rethink that for a minute. Because you're sitting here right now, and, and some of you might be praying, God, I hope he wraps up quick. But but most are are not in a state of prayer right now. You're listening to the message, or you're going to go home and eat lunch, and you'll have conversation, and that conversation won't be prayer. So when you see things like pray without ceasing, it doesn't mean never, ever quit praying. What it means is don't give up on it. Don't give up on it. Don't become that person that says, well, I prayed about it, and I tried it. God didn't do anything, so I guess it didn't work. But stay committed to it. Stay devoted to it. Be inspired by the Holy Spirit in your prayer life, knowing that he's leading you and guiding you. And you, just like those who've gone before you, especially men like Daniel, are warriors in prayer. And we don't quit. So that's what I see when I see pray without ceasing. And then here, when you see devote yourselves to prayer, it means make it a part of your lifestyle. When we're devoted to prayer, it's a part of our life. Now, sometimes we treat prayer like a fire alarm. You know, in case of emergency, break glass. It's like, hey, when things really stink, you know, try praying. But but prayer's not meant to be a response to, to difficulty or trial. Prayer's meant to be a lifestyle. And the difficulties and the trials that come in are met with a devotion to prayer that's pre-existing, where it's already in our nature to acknowledge God and His presence in our lives, to surrender our will and lay it down and seek after His. It's who we are. So that's what those things mean. Devote yourself to prayer. Keep alert with the attitude of thanksgiving. Oh God, give us that, that we be a grateful people. And then it goes on to say this in verse 3. Praying at the same time for, for leaders, that God will open up the door for us to bring the word. Now you can apply that to your life. Praying that God will open up the door for you to bring the word. And I want to go where we're, I want to head where we're going with this quickly, but I think you'll see it once we get there. It goes on to say, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though it were seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Now, it's a bit of a mouthful there, but I want to clarify something. When we read earlier in Ephesians that we're to be wise and redeem the time, make the most of the time. You can substitute the word opportunity for time. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't waste any opportunity. Make the most of all of your time. Don't waste any time. When we get here to Colossians, we see how to do that. Make the most of every opportunity by being a grateful person who's devoted to prayer, who sees these encounters with other people as opportunities. Therefore, we commit ourselves to let our speech be seasoned with grace so that we know how we should respond to each person. Now, that's a mouthful, but let me just break it down to you. How many of you, through all of this, at some point, maybe slightly, just a tiny bit, lost your temper? Oh, my God. I'm going to raise my other hand just so that I'm clear about this. And if I could raise both my feet, too, I would. I got chippy. I did. I went to the bank, you know, and the bank's closed, right? And then so to, to, because the virus, people are closing earlier. And I'm thinking, what, what does that help? You know? Does the virus come out at night or something? Is it like... Well, we need to close at 4 because of the virus. <laughs> it's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I go to the bank, and they're, they're closed, you know. So, so then there's the drive-thru, and everybody touches all the same stuff at the drive-thru. I mean, you get the drill. It doesn't make a lot of sense, right? And I get there, and the line is long. And I'm there, and I'm in a hurry because I've got things to do. I don't close at 4 because of the virus. And so I decide, I don't have time for this. I can go knock that. So I leave, and then I come back, and the line's still long, but I'm thinking, okay, I got that done. Now I can stay. And so I stay, and I wait in line. Now, that's what I want you to catch here. I waited in line. And I finally get up to the drive. Oh, yeah, and by the way, uh, my truck has a trailer on it, and I can't pull through, so I'm standing physically. like I'm not wearing pajamas, you know, but I'm standing there behind cars holding my banking. You know, cars pull up, and I just do one of these, you know. And I get up to the window there, and I'm, I'm looking in the window, and I knock on it, you know, just to be kind of goofy. And, and, and they open the little thing, you know. Hey, Preston, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing all right, you know. Put my banking in there. And here's what I tell them. Hey, I need one withdrawal, but I'd like for you to divide it into these four amounts and put it in four separate envelopes. Goes back in. Time passes, comes out. There's a big wad of cash and four envelopes. And here's what they said. Do it yourself. You're holding up the line. I looked at him like, I know this glass is bulletproof. (laughs) But I feel some serious power coming on right now. And so then something kind of happens. You know, sometimes you feel the Spirit of God upon you, and then other times you feel the devil (laughs) rising up in you. And and I'm sorry for that, but that's kind of how it went. I I mean, I could feel it, and I knew it's like, Jesus, look away, please. (laughs) I know that's really wrong. It's just an honest thing. And so I stood there, and I said, how about I count it right here? And I just started one and then they all start huddling up and looking at me like he's cracked our code he's not moving along the line is still held up and then I got in my truck and I thought well I showed them but then there was something in me that thought no you didn't you need to call so I pick up my phone and I call Hey, this is Preston. <laughs> I just want you to know that, that I just went through your drive-thru, and I was told that you have a policy that you won't count my money for me and that I was holding up the line. Now, I really meant this to be polite because here's what I said. I, I said, I just want to inform you that I think that policy is a little counterproductive uh, because next time what I'll do is I'll make four separate transactions, and it's going to take a lot longer, Okay. I mean, that's kind of polite, right? <laughs> K- kind of. Well, I, I, it, I, I was trying. <laughs> then what I heard on the other end of the line was this. We've had a pretty rough day today. <laughs> One of our tellers is getting slammed, and there's no way we're getting home by five. I just thought, you know what time I get home? You can count my money. And everything in me wanted to just destroy this poor young lady on the other end of the phone verbally. And it's not right, though. Like, afterward, I'm confessing to you right now, this is the purging of my soul. And we got done, and of course, I went home, and I just said, hey, honey, I need to tell you something that I did. And she always braces herself when I say that, you know. (laughs) And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I need to tell you something that I did today, and I want you to tell me how it comes off to you. If, if you think that I was a jerk.
1: <laughs> and I like to leave a
0: little pause there just to kind of leave it hanging, you know. And I told her the story, you know, and, and she, she told me, you probably shouldn't have called. And I, I received that counsel and I plan on, the next day I even thought about maybe taking them cookies or something. I didn't. I thought about it. And since they say it's the thought that counts, it counts. They <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't say that. But, but there's something there. Here's what I realize now. You know, I mean, we got to be careful what we listen to. And we gotta understand that we're the body of Christ. This, this whole like YouTube and Zoom and all, it's not going to work. And then this, we need to make the most of every opportunity. That's an opportunity that I blew. That was an opportunity for me to let words be seasoned with grace, not realizing how that might be an opportunity that Jesus is wanting to minister to people on the other end. Let your speech always be with grace so that you'll know how you should respond to each person. So that's really important, how to respond to each person. Respond, meaning they have provoked something in you that you are now responding to. I pass by a lot of people and I don't respond to them because they didn't say anything. They didn't do anything. But this is saying, hey, when people say something, when people do something, it's not your job to tell them how stupid it is. It's your job to bring grace into that situation. And here I am thinking it was my full-time job to tell people how stupid what they were doing was. But God sees that as an opportunity, and we need to as well. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Our struggles aren't against flesh and blood. Meaning that any problems that we ever have, we're never having problems with the person. There's something else at work. And I can tell you, most of the time, it's the Spirit of God at work in me. Revealing the level of carnality that I'm operating in, the need to to crucify those carnal thoughts and to walk in His Spirit, to be an ambassador for Christ and not jerk of the century. Serious. I want to give a passage of Scripture here as we we close. And this was, you know, I told you the three things we're going to find. That third one was what we need to focus on. I want to give this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. It's an instruction that we're meant to follow. It says, we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. What is seen, the stupid policy at the bank, that's going to go away. What's unseen, that precious woman on the other end of the phone that I felt it my job to humiliate. What a blown opportunity. And I repent for it. We need to focus not on what we see. Let's not be so shallow and so dull that we only respond to what we see, to what's right in front of us, but understand that there's something unseen that has an eternal purpose right here and right now. And I'm not going to be a fool. I'm going to be a wise man and make the most of that opportunity. I'm going to redeem that opportunity. I'm going to redeem the time. Those are the takeaways, just a few of them. There's probably more. Maybe I'll break out the pajamas and bring a few more in the coming weeks. But I thought those things worth sharing, and I want to pray together. I want to trust and believe, God, that these things can have an impact on our lives. I know they need to have an impact on mine. But there where you're at, I want to ask you to stand with me, and we'll pray together. Now, however you feel, if any part of this ministered to you, I want to trust and believe that God is doing something in us. That it's not just something that's like, wow, that was, that was interesting or, or that was funny or I can relate to that. But an awareness that, you know, God spoke these things to us collectively today for a reason. To minister to a need inside of us, to bring about a, a necessary change or, or a, a, a renewal of the way we think or perceive. And I want to trust that the Holy Spirit is at work in us to make us better. So whether you want to stand there and be prayed for, I, I want to pray for you. If you want to be in agreement, you're welcome to be in agreement. But I want to pray and ask God to make this word have an impact on us. Father, we bless your name and we thank you. We thank you for the word that you bring into our lives. For the revelation that you bring by your spirit. We thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let us respond to his conviction, knowing that you're leading us and you're guiding us into the place that we need to be, the place where there is prosperity, the place where there's maturity and growth, the place where we become more like Jesus. And as we stand together, we ask Will you make your word come to life in our hearts? Let it have a powerful effect upon our minds. To renew the way that we think and perceive. And have an impact on our decision making and our actions. Lead us to be careful to what we listen to. Let us know the source and the motivation and the agenda behind the source. That we would exercise caution in what we let have an effect on our understanding, our belief, and our faith. Let us pursue the spirit of truth. And reject the spirit of error. Bring us to a place where we're careful what we listen to and let the effects be a solid understanding. Let us believe in all that is true and let it result in a powerful faith. Reveal to us our role in the body of Christ that we wouldn't see church membership through carnal understanding but that we would understand that we have a part in the body of Christ. That we have a role and a purpose. And when that role and that purpose is cut off, the body is affected negatively and the entire body suffers. Let membership have a whole new understanding to each one of us, deeper, with greater awareness of the importance of who we are and our place in the body of Christ. And let the body of Christ in this place be alive and active and powerful to destroy the works of the devil and establish your kingdom. Let it be in us through us as we are united together by your spirit. And lead us to redeem the time, to not miss a single opportunity. Flood our hearts and our minds with your grace toward us and let it spill over through our words and our actions. That we wouldn't deal with the things that are set before us, but that we would focus on the unseen, the things with eternal purpose and value. That we would not lose our witness but that we would walk in power and authority, ministering to every situation and every circumstance, redeeming those opportunities, bringing them to Jesus. We bless your name and we thank you for the power of your word, the presence of your spirit. Let truth prevail. Let your glory and your goodness be revealed to us and through us. And as we are united here right now, Be exalted and glorified. We are your people. You are our God. We bless your name, and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at championschurch.com.